Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rollbar. Move fast and fix things like we do here at Changelog. Check them out at Rollbar.com slash Changelog. Resolve your errors and minutes into deployable confidence. Catch your errors in your software before your users do. And if you're not using Rollbar yet or you haven't tried it yet, they want to give you $100 to donate to open source via Open Collective. And all you got to do is go to Rollbar.com slash Changelog, sign up, integrate Rollbar into your app. And once you do that, they'll give you $100 to donate to open source. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. Hey everyone, Adam Stokowiak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. Emma Vedekin just emceed a live show at React.js Girls with a panel of three amazing women, Kate Beard, Eve Porcello, and Marcy Sutton. It was a great discussion covering the biggest challenges they've faced, how no matter who you are, imposter syndrome does occur and never really goes away, ways to support and encourage underrepresented groups and people to get into tech, and how to choose a topic when writing a talk. Here we go. Welcome to the stage, Emma Vedekin again. She is going to be hosting a very special, a very live version of JS Party, the wonderful podcast. Please give it up for Emma. I don't know where you're going because you are my guest. All right, so we're going to have a really special um, JS Party up here. So I would like to welcome Eve and Marcy and Kate to the stage. And, yeah. Can I get a really quick volunteer? You're not doing anything scary. Just like one person. I need a timer. I need someone to keep time. Okay, thank you. I don't have anything on me that would be a timer. But can you let me know once we start talking about party things um, when we're nearing the 20 minute mark? Just like, just like wave at me. Because I know that happy hour is coming up. So, start it in 30 seconds. Please. I really quickly just want to say thank you to Eve because she was excellent. Can we please give it up for her? Great, so if you haven't heard of JS Party, you might have heard of the Changelog. These are some really popular and really fun podcasts talking about JavaScript and web development and all sorts of fun things. And so I recently joined as a panelist, which is really cool. I think we live tape every Thursday, so you can always join in. And we go on the road. We do stuff like this, and so I'm really excited. We're basically just going to have a conversation as if we were just hanging out as a group. It's a party. So we all contribute to the community in different ways. Um, I know Eve has written a book, which she so graciously handed out today. You've written a couple books, right? And Marcy, you do a lot of accessibility work. You've joined Gatsby. You teach things. And, and Kate, I don't know what your main medium is, if you blog or if you just are an awesome human. But we all contribute in different ways. And I would love to really quickly hear how you got started. So just a quick intro to how you got started in the, you know, the community. How did you start contributing? All right. Um, I got started 
coding. I used to be a project manager. I uh, would work with a lot of developers. They would tell me a lot of things, and I would want to know if those things were true. Um, <laughs> so I uh, learned to code with a lot of help from a lot of online resources, um, and then made the transition into consulting and then into teaching. So that's kind of how all of that started, and I feel like working as a teacher, creating videos and things like that has been like a really vital part of my career, because it's, uh, yeah, I live up in the woods in Northern California. <laughs> no one's gonna find out what I'm doing up there <laughs> unless I, uh, give some of that, or make some of that stuff for people. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Much Yes. Um, so, I went to school for photojournalism originally, and it was right when digital cameras came out and newspapers were starting to close. And I sort of saw the writing on the wall that if I wanted to live in a city where I wanted to live and I wanted to, you know, actually be able to afford to live there, that that was probably not going to work. So I went back to school and focused more on web design and development. So definitely more the creative side, um, which still comes out from time to time. Um, but I really latched on to coding because I saw it as a lucrative career. I mean, just to be honest with you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. I think it, it's financial independence for a lot of people, and that was definitely true for me. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I found accessibility on the job, and I just learned that I cared a lot about it. So I gradually just moved closer and closer to it. Mm -hmm. I worked on the Angular team for a while, trying to make that more accessible. If you really want to get me worked up, you can, you can <laughs> ask me more about that. <laughs> Um, eventually, I found my way into React, and I just really love how fast it is, and Gatsby came along, and they offered me a position as the head of learning. And for me, being able to contribute back full-time um, and focus on doc writing and making the learning experience better, just it definitely ticked all the boxes for me, so I'm pretty Wonderful. excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think um, I mentioned that I um, do. Like, I used to do photography and writing, so I think um, I've always enjoyed like uh, sharing stories and ideas and stuff. So um, when I was learning to code, I started going to um, meetups like Code Bar and stuff, and wanted to start um, as soon as I felt comfortable, which still hasn't happened yet, by the way. Start giving back by like giving talks and stuff at, at meetups. Um, and once I'd done that, I wanted to start trying to apply to conferences and give them there as well. So I think it's gone okay so far. <laughs> and for those who don't know, this was Kate's first big conference talk. And I think she did excellent. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> um, and I, have, um, I do have a blog on my site. It's a Gatsby blog, actually. Yay. And I have very good intentions for writing posts yes. for it. I have a very long list. but I haven't quite got there yet. Don't we all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one thing we don't really talk about um, is failure. And I hate using that word because it has this negative connotation, right? Failure is not um, a bad thing. Um, it's just not getting your desired outcome. And so instead of using that word, I'm going to ask, what's one time that you struggled in your journey to today? Just one big time that really impacted you and really how did you overcome that? We'll, we'll start, let's start with Kate. We'll go back down the line. Okay. Um, well, I think one that I, I don't tell a lot of people is that actually my entire career in coding is because of a failure. My previous job didn't work out, and I was 
kind of wondering what to do and ended up finding Founders Encoders and um, did the course and now I've got um, a really lovely, like I'm enjoying coding so much and yeah, I feel like I've like really found my groove. So had I not had that initial failure, um, which I think, you know, it's, it's quite a taboo to talk about having lost a job and stuff, um, but yeah, um, I wouldn't be here today without that having happened. We're happier here. <laughs> Super happy you're here. Um, so thinking about this question, you asked me a little bit earlier, and I, I had to really think. I mean, there's lots of things that we struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis. Just coding is hard. Um, and I've had a string of pretty terrible managers that I don't think really understood the impact that their words would have. And I had a manager say in front of me to a client that I was not a hardcore developer. And that just ruined it for me, to be honest, in that job. And there was so much that was going right, but that just took the wind out of my sails. And so I've since moved and am in a job where I see my perspective as an asset. Because we all have different learning styles, different skill levels, different experience and perspective. And having people on your team writing docs who, like, aren't necessarily those hardcore developers, going back to Carolyn's talk, um, I think that's, I, I see the value in that now. And so I took something that was my big insecurity and something that drove me away from a good job to something that actually helps me on a day-to-day -day basis. Like if something doesn't make sense to me as a, a documentation person, chances are other people are struggling with that same idea. So I, I'm grateful that I was able to turn that insecurity and that struggle into something beneficial. Wonderful. Uh, I think just getting started coding was really tough for me. I quit a lot of times along that way, and I'm always kind of quitting all the time. Like, <laughs> this is too hard. I can't do this. I can't branch out into this new thing. Um, and that's something that I struggle with because I feel like unless it's perfect, it's not gonna be like right. So um, yeah, just being fearful of that, living again in a place where there's not a whole lot of jobs makes yeah. it such that it's like, oh, better figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, getting like stuck and out of your own way has been mm -hmm. really helpful to me, so. Yeah, and I think this goes to show that like, when we're up here, we, we have, maybe the sense of authority that we know exactly what we're talking about, but I, I still think that we ourselves are overcoming imposter syndrome, right? I don't think that ever goes away. It's always a question people ask, is like, how do you overcome imposter syndrome? It's like, I don't know that we actually do. I think we get better at managing it. And so it's really reassuring to hear, you know, these esteemed smart women sitting up here telling us like they still struggle. This episode is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice, and we're excited to share they've recently launched dedicated CPU instances. If you have build boxes, CI/CD, video encoding, machine learning, game servers, databases, data mining, or application servers that need to be full duty, 100% CPU all day, every day, then check out Linode's dedicated CPU instances. These instances are fully dedicated and shared with no one else, so there's no CPU steal or competing for these resources with other Linodes. Pricing is very 
very competitive and starts out at 30 bucks a month. Learn more and get started at linode.com slash changelog. Again, linode.com slash changelog. And by Gage. Gage is a free and open source test automation tool by ThoughtWorks. The goal of the tool is to take the pain out of test automation and to help with this Gage support specifications of Markdown, which are easy to read and easy to write reusable specifications to simplify your code, which makes refactoring easier, and less code means less time maintaining code. And finally, integrations. Use Gage with your favorite tools and your IDEs and the ecosystem of your choice. Selenium, Saihi Pro, CIC and CD tools like GoCD, Jenkins, Travis, and IDE support from Visual Studio, VS Code, IntelliJ, and more. Head to gage.org slash jsparty to learn more and give it a try. Again, gage.org slash jsparty. If you were to mentor yourself, what would you, what would you mentor? Like, how would you give them advice? What would you say to a young woman or, you know, anyone, right? Regardless of gender or identity, what would you, what would you say to encourage them? We'll start with Marcy. I'm gonna go back to some advice that I got from a nutritionist in my late 20s. I was really struggling at that time. Just, I mean, when you hit 30, I don't know about you, but my body started to change. And so I went to this nutritionist and her whole thing was about self-compassion. And that was transformative advice for me because she told me to treat yourself like you would treat a friend. And that was huge for me because I was like, wow, I'm really beating up on myself. And it goes so far beyond nutrition and health into, I mean, mental health, but also learning to code and being supportive to yourself even when you're doubting your abilities and sort of helps to get outside of your own head and think of it like treat yourself like you would treat a friend. Love that. Kate, what's your take? Hmm. How to get over imposter syndrome. Do you want me to come back to you? I think so, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Eve, do you have an answer? I mean... We don't each have to answer this. Like, this is a conversation, so. Yeah, I think uh, something I've really been inspired by lately is uh, Sean Wang, old Swix, uh, sharing his journey of learning in public. And I think that's something I totally did not do at the beginning, because I was like, ooh, I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't be uh, sharing my thoughts about my process of learning, and I never even thought to do that. And I look at uh, someone like Sean, who's constantly giving back his resources and time to other people, and I think that's amazing. So uh, anybody who writes a blog post, makes a video, uh, there's always, like, your perspective is valuable, and I think that people totally hesitate agree. to share that stuff early, but you should. Right. So Just that's because what it's I been say. done before doesn't mean it's not yeah, valuable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think perspective, like, that's that's kind of the operative word for me. Like you mentioned that like we're up here and we have like some sense of authority, but like something that I think about a lot is that everyone's only ever sharing their own story and experiences. And um, like even the biggest experts, they're, on, they're only able to share like what they knew through their experience. So like your experiences are going to be just as valid. There's rarely, there's rarely ever one single way to do something. So like you should share your experiences and um, you know share your knowledge as much as anyone else. Absolutely, I fully agree. So uh, one question that we got on Twitter, which I found very endearing was how, what advice would you give to people who want to support underrepresented groups? 
how do we support underrepresented groups appropriately? What's the best way to go about encouraging you know, more underrepresented people to get into tech and to stick with it? I know we're all pondering up here like, oh. <laughs> I think doing, like, doing things like this, um, like giving a platform, um, for example, like all of the speakers today were women, um, or for example, there's also um, the Afrotech Fest, which is for um, the BAME community in the UK. So like offering platforms um, for people to share their knowledge and experiences like that um, is really important. Um, yeah, and then I guess um, trying to find people to mentor if you have the time and energy to do that. So, sorry, I'm going to keep mentioning Code Bar because it's wonderful. <laughs> but, like, um, that is um, a meetup for underrepresented people in tech. And so even just, like, going there and offering your time as a coach um, to help people out with their projects and their journey and learning uh, is really good. Wonderful. That's excellent advice. Um, yeah, I think the mentoring aspect is really valuable because if you are a bit more senior in your career, you can help people who, are, who need some encouragement. Um, I was gonna add that adding seats at the table for underrepresented people to, mm -hmm. to not only participate, but lead. Like give more leadership positions to women of color in particular. Um, and creating those spaces, like sometimes that means getting out of the way and letting someone else shine, mm -hmm. um, no matter where they are in their experience level or skill level. Um, so yeah, I think that's something I'd like to see more is you know, new, fresh voices and giving people the space, to, the, the space to feel safe and comfortable to actually share their experiences. Because the more I listen to what people are actually saying, the more it just, it's changed my experience to, to hear like, wow, people are, feel comfortable enough to tell me what their experience was really like. Mm -hmm. As long as you're listening, like it's it's pretty amazing the doors that unlock like when people are safe enough to tell you what they're experiencing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say like money, like giving people money, <laughs> telling people <laughs> how much money that you make. Uh, I like that. Yeah. I like that because it's such a stigma. I don't understand the stigma behind it. Yeah. So if. And also sharing if you did something that you think was successful, mm -hmm. tell other people about it, even if that's one-on-one. -on -one. That's mentorship, obviously. Yeah. But uh, that really helps people out to think, oh, well, they negotiated this getting this role, or this person was able to, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hidden bonuses like Taboo that go things, on. right? Yeah. Like negotiating salaries and getting raises, yeah. even like leaving a job for a better opportunity. Like these things are so taboo. And it's like, well, you had mentioned earlier, like the money, it's an incentive. We work to work to make a living and to support our families. We just happen to love our jobs. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so I, I There's also that. nothing wrong with not totally loving your job. Yeah. Like you need that's to pay true. your rent. And for right. a lot of people, it's a job and that's okay. Right. Um, yeah, I was going to add that I, I met with some women in my town of Bellingham, um, which is a bit lower wage of a market, and we had this lunch one day where we, in a small group, we felt safe and comfortable to say what we made, and when I told them what I made, they were like, whoa, I am getting extremely underpaid, and they both, they, they well, one moved to Seattle, because we're living about an hour and a half away, the other one... Um, she kind of splits her time between, but like they both significantly increase their salaries after that, just by knowing that, like, whoa, I am undervalued and underpaid. Yeah. So you I think those, those conversations yeah. are important. And 
I think there's kind of a fine line. I, I feel personally don't share a lot about it because I don't want to come off as braggy. Mm -hmm. um, but in smaller groups, maybe that's a more comfortable setting where you can actually talk with other people. So go out to lunch. Go talk about it. Yeah. It can your change your life. You're your biggest advocate. I mean, no one's going to fight as hard for you as you will. So I love that. Cool. How are we doing on time? 15 minutes? Okay. Um, one question we also got was, how do you choose topics when you're writing a talk? So, as a, like, I'll just start. So, I chose design systems because it was the one thing I really felt comfortable discussing. I like, I gear more towards like the theoretical talks because again, imposter syndrome and every time I discuss something extremely technical code-wise, I'm always convinced that like, I, it's not correct or like, you know, I'm gonna get criticism for it. So I always gear or like steer towards these theoretical talks, which I think is where I shine. Um, so hopefully I can push myself like outside those boundaries. But if there's something that you love and you're passionate about it, talk about it because you're gonna, like if you're interested in it, people will also be interested in it regardless of the topic, so. Um, another thing that I was surprised to learn, we have a Speakers Guild uh, Slack channel at the FT, and um, there's people in there who've been giving talks for years, and it's amazing to like share knowledge and stuff. And one of the things I was surprised to learn is that a lot of people, usually people who have a few years of experience, they'll propose talks um, about things they don't know yet as a way of learning things. And like as a fresh baby dev, that I was just like, whoa. That's terrifying, really, but yeah, also terrifying. really cool. That's and really cool. Yeah, so like, um, I think like if you're thinking of getting into speaking, like don't don't let the you know if you don't have any ideas, but you think oh there's this thing I want to learn and it's really cool, like I want to get into that. Like you can write your talk about learning the thing, and then you'll and then you'll know it. And then um, you'll learn the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think of it as is there something that I want the audience to take away from it that like talking about accessibility, like I want to empower you to make a difference with that. So that motivates me to talk about it. At some point early in my speaking career, I was like, wow, I'm really interested in accessibility and I want to make change in the world by talking about it, but I didn't want to be painted as like the accessibility girl. Because <laughs> you kind of worry about being like a one note or something like that. Um, but that changed for me when I went to an accessibility conference and there were a lot of people with disabilities there and they were my people. Like I found my tribe and I knew from that moment on that I could really make a difference and it's kind of slow sometimes. I mean, it can get a little depressing, but um, some advice that I got about speaking was like, what do you want the audience to take away from it? And if there's something that you think people should know more about, maybe it's, maybe there's lots of questions on Twitter about it. People are confused about it. Documentation is lacking. Um, you can really like learn about a topic and, and learn while you're uh, researching for the talk and writing the talk, um, but you can also become you know, an, a known person in the community where people can ask you questions about a topic and really just uh, give people knowledge, sort of a knowledge transfer. Um, so yeah, I try to really think about like what's in it for them because it's not the Marcy show. Right, it's, it's not about us. It's, yeah, it's really about what are you trying to give people to take away? Like, what can they go back to work on Monday and apply? Mm -hmm. um, depending on the topic, not all topics. Some of them are more, you know, thinky. We're <laughs> just going to think on it for a while. And those are, are awesome as well. It's like we need to give our brains a rest from hardcore code sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, focusing on your audience takeaways, I think, is a good way to go. You've got 40 seconds. <laughs> 30, 
Okay, uh, <laughs> just building some sort of demo and then trying yeah. to make a complex topic uh, accessible to people. I love that. End of 30s. I can't wait to see one of your talks someday. <laughs> so I don't want to be the person standing in front of you and your drinks outside, so we're going to... I want to thank all of you. I want to thank all the women at this conference. Um, I have free stickers and a couple of magnets and some coasters. So, <laughs> so if you don't like rings on your tables, come see me and I will give you one. Please, if you enjoy this type of casual conversation, go ahead and follow JS Party, follow the changelog. The men who run it are incredible. They do good things. So thank you all for having us and I hope that we get to talk more after this. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Give it up for Emma. Right, yes, give it up for Emma Vedekin. She did an amazing job representing us live in front of a studio audience. Hosting a panel, it's so much fun doing that and we love doing that. So if you run a conference or a community and you wanna bring JS Party to your community and you want us to come there and host a panel and have some fun, get in touch, editors at changelaw.com. We'd love to come there to listen to JS Party live. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. US Eastern at changelog.com slash live. You can also join the community and Slack with us in real time during the shows. Head to changelog.com slash community. Everyone's welcome. And of course, thank you to Fastly, our bandwidth partner, Rollbar for helping us move fast and fix things, and Linode for our awesome infrastructure. One more thing, head to changelaw.com slash master. It's one feed to rule them all. Get all of our podcasts in one single feed. Again, head to changelaw.com slash master or go into your podcast app and search for changelaw master. You'll find it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. All right, because you've stuck in to the end of the show, Here's a preview of Brain Science, our upcoming podcast coming out very soon. The easiest way to subscribe is to subscribe to our master feed at thechangelog.com slash master. Get all of our podcasts in one single feed, plus some extras that only hit the master feed, including Brain Science. Brain Science is a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain so we can understand things like behavior change, habit formation mental health, and this thing we call the human condition. It's hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and Muriel Reese, a doctor in clinical psychology. It's brain science applied, not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to better our lives? Here we go. I think that's the most interesting thing I find with this subject is I've lived most of my life, well, I've lived all my life with the brain for one, uh, but I've lived most of my life not even knowing or thinking about how I how it operates. And so my curiosity comes from, okay, now that I'm I'm aware that the brain is the most important organ in my body, without it, nothing else exists in terms of like being able to operate. It's the primary source of all things that makes our body our, our body. I, I begin to think, okay, well, now how does it actually work? You know, so that I can right. understand different things about my life, my personality, why I love, why I hate, why I like, why I dislike, you know, all these different things, habits, uh, drive, uh, you know, willpower, all these different things play into that. And I begin to think like, okay, how can I know more about my brain? And when you mention these worn paths and these grooves, that means like whenever I'm mulling over a thought or having anxiety, the thing that I'm 
mulling over or having anxiety about becomes more and more true or more and more real as my neurons fire together based on what you said here with the power of thoughts is that is that if I keep thinking that way, it it becomes more true to me than maybe somebody else because I've worn the path. Is that accurate to say? You're spot on. If I'm to draw an analogy, it would really be that our thoughts are the lens through which we see our world mm. and make sense of it, which is how people can have such varied perspectives. The thoughts we have are really that powerful. If you can imagine them creating the fabric of so much of your world. And like I mentioned earlier about, you know, sort of filing things according to our feelings, because we're more apt to remember things according to feelings. And so we want to be aware of the sort of circular nature of my thoughts and my feelings and that like how I feel creates certain thoughts and certain thoughts create certain feelings. And so if I want to feel different, I really need to do different and I need to think different because all of this is energy, right? I mean, you ever walk into a a room or an interaction with an individual and it just sort of feels off and you're thinking like, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. Or like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but something was off because there's, there's feelings and you catch vibes because emotions are energy and thoughts just like the the neurons that fire together that's you know electricity in our brain mm. it's a certainly a deep subject which i'm just barely familiar with but basically our our brain is you know everything is electricity as you're saying you know there's this it's um mm-hmm. it's our brain being able to somehow miraculously be able to process this electricity into thoughts Memories, recall, uh, autobiographical, understanding time, you know, past, present, future, all this different stuff. And somehow these electrical charges throughout our entire body at the cellular level as well as the brain level power us. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, it's it truly is literally energy. It is. I mean, so one of the things that is important to, to know when it comes to neurons is they abide by the all or nothing rule. And what I mean by that is that they either fire or they don't. Wow. So sort of like that thing at the carnival with the hammer and you smack the weighted plate and it either goes to the top to ding or it doesn't. (laughs) That's how neurons are. They get to a sort of threshold of excitement and then they fire or they don't. And so being able to be aware of the thoughts I think, for example, if if I am having a really rough day, like maybe I pay attention to what I'm thinking about. Like, am I thinking about a loss that I went through? Am I thinking about a really challenging problem that I don't know how to overcome? Or maybe it's a relationship that I wanted to go differently. And then I don't feel very good. And maybe my stomach starts to hurt. And then I maybe start to get a headache. You know, all of our thoughts contribute to our own internal systems. And they shape who we are too. You know, like like I said earlier, um, if I'm mulling over something or if I'm anxious about something, I just can't stop thinking about it. It, to some degree, can even reshape my personality because I think that w- that's what we, what we might call moods. Right? If I'm in a bad mood, it might be because I have an experience going on in my brain or my thoughts that I can't seem to shake away that's bringing me into a negative state. You know, My perspective in that scenario is that I can't get these bad thoughts out of my brain or I can't stop being anxious or having anxiety about something. And therefore I yell at my wife or I'm not so nice to my son 
because my mood is is changed by my thought patterns. Yeah, you're spot on. And this is why I, I think it's so important that we can understand that it's really possible to change these. Mm-hmm. Because if you can recognize like, oh, I'm not really upset with my wife or my son. <laughs> I'm feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Then again, I can put my lid on and go, what other options do I have available to me? Like, maybe I need to go work out. Maybe I need to go write down some of what is in my mind so that I can change some of those thoughts. Or maybe I need to do some meditation or talk to a friend. This is how we cope with some of those those negative thoughts and negative feelings as well. That's a preview of Brain Science. If you love where we're going with this, send us an email to get on the list to be notified the very moment this show gets released. Email us at editors at changelaw.com. In the subject line, put in all caps, Brain Science, with a couple bangs if you're really excited. You can also subscribe to our master feed to get all of our shows in one single feed. Head to changelaw.com slash master or search in your podcast app for Change Law Master. You'll find it. Subscribe, get all of our shows, and even those that only hit the master feed. Again, changelaw.com slash master. 